Guess what I'm drinking, Joe? You are drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. You know what's special about this coffee? Um, I have a little bit of a sense of what's special about it, but I want you to give me the complete sense of what's special about it. All right, let me take another. Let me take another sip. You gonna? You need to sample it some more. Yeah, that's good. It's good stuff. That's the stuff right there. It's delish. It's pretty good. Now, th- this coffee is indeed special. Oh. Um, because it is a, um, it came to us from a listener. Oh. Say more. I, I should say at the beginning that I don't consider this an emolument. No. I don't think they're, they're I don't, we'll have to get Lisa Milet on about later. Mm, fair point. I don't believe there are any tax consequences for this. I, I. <laughs> <laughs> I share your belief, although it's a belief born as much out of hope as anything else. Um, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, this is from listener Bunny, who's, um, I, don't, I don't know. She didn't say how much I could say. Oof. Hmm. She's tweeted at us before, but she but, has. Um, so t- anyway, terrific, was- lo- terrific law student uh, was in Athens for the day. I met her at the um, official coffee house of oral argument meaning two story two story coffee house in, in five, five points, points um which is an awesome place with fantastic stuff definitely the best coffee in Athens yeah they just make for, an amazing yeah, great people coffee yeah I, I have a long-running relationship with this particular coffee house and, you do uh and so, i've enjoyed it as well yeah bunny met me there and she wanted to talk you know she's a fan of the show um wanted to talk about a number of really interesting things she does a lot of interesting um IP stuff. Cool. Non-patent related IP, which apparently makes it difficult to get a job somehow in IP if you don't do patent. At least she's run into that roadblock and she's trying to, you know, she's interested in um, digital privacy issues, that sort mm. of thing. So we talked about like the Google right to be forgotten stuff. Cool. On EU. From, yeah, from the European court. Which I've had some students write papers about and have met some, one of the people I met over in Australia was interested in this. It was super, super interesting conversations to hear on both sides of the Pacific uh, but Bunny wanted to talk about that and some other things, and we had a great time catching up. It was really great to meet a listener, and that's the only way we really know her is uh, yeah. uh, through listening to the show. And, and she follows us on Twitter and has, has tweeted at us, including uh, correcting our pronunciation of, of that place in Florida. Oviedo. Is that what it is? I believe. <laughs> that, that's what... Although looking to me for pronunciation of anything is sort of <laughs> the definition of lunacy, I suppose. That's why I'm pronouncing Bunny. Rather, rather than leaving it to you, because I don't know what you would say. Bunny A. Um, yeah, that was the that was the town in Florida where the the lawyers were pursuing basically a, a kind of crusading civil rights yes, agenda an, against the state of Florida, an impact litigation strategy for speed trap law. Yeah, for God bless them for for police there unconstitutionally enforcing a ban on flashing your lights to warn other drivers. You know, Sadly, my schedule uh, prevented me from. Passing up with you and Bunny at Two Story. Uh, yeah, you missed a, you missed a great conversation. I'm so glad though that you were able to go and have the conversation, and and I'm so glad she gave us this coffee. Now, so wh- say more about the coffee. Well, I mean, w- one of the amazing things about Bunny, I mean, other than that, she's a listener to this show, right? Which immediately means that you know all of our basically you're 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 a notch above in both the intelligence and the handsomeness categories, right? Right. We've got very handsome and and smart as audience. you've mentioned before. We have yeah. handsome, very handsome listenership. Very, very. And uh, uh, so Bonnie's no exception. Uh, uh, great conversation. Uh, and so one of the things that makes her interesting, one of the things that make that puts her a notch above, uh, she roasts her own beans. Wow. She gets green coffee beans 
Um, from where do you do I that? Think, How do you get green coffee? I beans? forget what she said. Um, hmm. She's where did she get them? It's, it, there's something interesting, and I, 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 my, I'm forgetting. Even though I'm, I'm ca- fully caffeinated with with Bunny's coffee. So she now. gets she gets unroasted beans, right? Right. Meaning the stuff which is off the tree and roasts or, them or, herself. The, uh, yeah, she's her own roaster. Yes, in her in her apartment, and she's got Whoa. a smoke. It's a, like a smokeless. So one of the typical problems with roasting your own beans is the amount of smoke and and smell that it produces i think it's a great smell but it can be kind of intense i'm sure so usually you have to vent this stuff and you know when when two-story was roasting you could smell it all the way up and down the street right um to me it made me immediately want to go in and get some coffee but i can see <laughs> right. why i can yeah, see why, why, gi- why give that up i mean that's stu- yeah. roasting is so yummy smelling it does smell good but but maybe if you're in an apartment and you don't want to smell that from your neighbor all the time but right. apparently she's got some kind of stovetop smokeless thing which amazing she didn't know exactly how it worked and i don't know exactly how it works in terms of reducing the smoke and all that but it's on the stovetop and i assume there's some carbon filtration or something going on listeners um you can tweet us or email us or facebook us send us information about different coffee roaster options for the private home roaster send us your tips on what machine you like to roast coffee (laughs) beans with (laughs) this is your solicitation of the week I'm saying this is something people might look. We could have all kinds of listeners who have experience and information about different equipment you can use to roast beans at home. Why not take you advantage know, of that installed base of knowledge? <laughs> do you do you know one thing we won't learn, Joe? For what? sure, I don't know. For sure, if there's a special way of roasting coffee in North Dakota, yeah, we really, will never find that I, out. Yeah, they don't. Which, listen. by the way, tells me they do not have one there. Because if they did have one there, there would be people listening to our show. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Well, so so we we are enjoying now two cups of of coffee from uh, from Bunny's roast. Yes, and it's it's delicious. Made it on the AeroPress and um, quite good. Very tasty. Very very tasty. And we still have a good bit left. So yeah. that so thanks to listener Bunny, this is a a great a great treat. And um, our energy and our enthusiasm is here today, courtesy of Bunny. <laughs> and. And a bunch of other people have made this possible, Joe, including my grandparents. Uh, fair enough. Without whom my parents would not exist. Right. Without whom I wouldn't exist. And without little shout out whom to the no good show. people at Madigan Memorial Hospital in Holton, Maine, where I was born in 1967. <laughs> hmm. Wanna, if any of them who worked there in that year happened to be listening. Yeah, that they're less directly responsible for the show because you would still exist if they didn't. Yes, presumably I would have survived birth even yeah. without the good offices of the people at Madigan Memorial Hospital. Right. Although one doesn't like to push the envelope on that too much. I mean, I mean, maybe something would have gone wrong, and maybe something did go wrong, and I'm not aware uh, of we're it. We're not going to get into this. The fact that they were there to help yeah. meant it all worked out. I don't know. We're going to have to have Meredith, my wife, on the show to, you know, talk right. about the differential risks and all that. But we're right. not going to do that. We're not going. We're not going to get into that topic. We, we, also we deal with a, another. We deal with enough controversial topics. We would need a séance to get my mother to be able to communicate with us. Now that, to, see, that's sad. That's to not tell funny. us if anything went wrong. Yeah, that's going to be tough to arrange. Do you have a Ouija board? Boy, if she's like most moms, though, it's like, can you say what went wrong in my birth and upright and and upbringing? Oh, it's we're like, not. Where, gonna, where do we start? Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I want to start small. I want to just not leave upbringing aside. We just let's just focus on twelve thirty three a.m. September. Do you 8th, think you were brought up right? Were you brought up right? How does, well, that, does that mean that you came out right or that you were raised <laughs> right? I mean, I, that's kind of <laughs> ambiguous, isn't it? I mean, right or wrong. Um, 
it it's it's it got me where I am. So if I like where I am, I suppose I shouldn't worry too much, right? Yeah, you don't know where you would have been otherwise, though. True, which is a blessing and a curse. Mm-hmm. All right, I but think... I'm a pretty opt. I'm generally an optimistic person, right? Generally, not always, but generally. So, yeah. You, sometimes I find you're pessimistic, though. Like when you're considering how much better things will be if you stay just a little bit later over at someone's house. <laughs> well, that's because I your have revealed a, preference is to leave, as far as I can tell. Yeah, well, right. So I have this very firm commitment to leaving while I'm still having a really good time. Hmm. I like my last memory of a place at, at an event to be a really good one. So yeah. after I've had an especially great moment at, a, at an event that right. I'm attending... I have a very strong urge to leave. There's so many things I could say right now. And it, <laughs> I'm just like sorting through which ones are appropriate to air, <laughs> which ones are not. <laughs> but b- before the um, before the too much banter crowd hits the skip button and says, I'll try, again next, <laughs> I'll try again next week. Uh, so today's going to be kind of a, as you said, it's kind of a clear the docket show in our, yes, in in our, our attempt to be one – one hundredth as good a show as Judge John Hodgman. We're gonna have right. one of those clear the docket shows. We're gonna. I think we've got a. Do we have we have a guest lined up for next week? Is that we right? do? Yeah. And, and um, let me let me make an appeal right here. Stop the you know stop the presses right here. That doesn't even make any sense, does it? Not really. Uh, you already mentioned getting in touch with us about. I even forget what you asked him to get. Probably about home the, coffee you know, roaster. I, I, I remember. Equipment. I, was, I was trying to forget, but um. <laughs> I wish people could see your faces. We need an enhanced podcast that has like smileys or something. Then we can oh, just yes. Joe's expression. Real time emojinator. Yeah. Like we'll, we'll <laughs> sub- provide emojis. Uh, Every once in a while, it's going to be the little poop emoji. We are at oral argument podcast at gmail.com oral argument podcast at gmail.com. All one word, no funny business or at oral argument. That's on the Twitter on the Twitter. And then oral, you can search for us on the Facebook somehow. Sure. We have, we have a presence there, Joe. We have a presence. Indeed. So what you said, stop the presses. Let's stop the presses. Yes. Stop so, the uh, automatic emojinator. Right. right. So use one of these automated informational channels. Yes. To get in touch with us about what you would like to hear on the show. Is there a guest you'd like to hear? Would, oh. You know, would you like to be a guest? I mean, we can't accommodate everything and, and, and we kind of want to spread out exactly what we talk about and hit different topics and right. who knows what we're going to be interested in. Um, right. But there are a lot of, you know, uh, you know, Joe... You handle our bookings. I do. That's that's your your task, and so you can get in touch directly with Joe if you want to. He's easy enough to find, right? Uh, or you can send us uh, uh, the appropriate informational units to the above listed informational channels. That's right. You can get in touch with me uh, or my personal assistant, who is interestingly enough also me. <laughs> I do double duty. Right. I am both myself. Right. And my own personal assistant. And and if you want to get in touch with me, that's fine too. Or you can get in touch with my assistant, who is Joe. <laughs> you see people how this isn't working well for me. Uh, so I just I wanted to get arrange the, this smartly. Right. So there's some shows we want to do in the future. We've reached out to some guests and we'll see how this goes. Yes. I mean, I would like to do a show about um, policing, the sociology of policing and yes. related to that. We, we're not rushing to get a show out about a timely topic like right when it hits. We want to kind of take our no, let we these things gel. And, yeah, every once in a while we have d- tended to do things that are a little bit more, you know, they seem more like ripping the headlines. But we don't, that's not our goal. 
right? So if we're if we happen to have a chance to talk about something quickly, then great. But it's not necessary. At it's all. not necessary. So if there's something that's been brewing in your head that you would like to hear us talk about, or or, you, know. or, or if there's a person you'd like us to to talk to, please, yeah, please do let yeah. us know. Because um, we have a number of good ideas for this year, and we've got a I think a great guest lined up for next week, and um, so we'll see we'll see how this goes. But get in touch if there's an especially terrible thing you would like us to decry. Ask. You never know. I might find it loathsome as well, and I might therefore be happy to decry it. If the question is, does Joe find it loathsome, I would say, like a magic eight ball, chances are good. <laughs> you, you, have, you do have a pretty good shot. I, it is interesting. I am generally an optimist, and I generally find most things terrible. How is that Oof. possible? It doesn't seem right. Like you said last week, it's a mirror. Seems maybe, backwards. Maybe your self-appraisal as an optimist is, you know... Look at yourself in a mirror, Joe. Oh, maybe I'm not as optimistic as I think. Yeah. Or maybe um, I think I'm optimistic because I, like most things, am terrible. <laughs> so I'm not accurate. All right, let's get off of this. This is this is getting bad. It is a little meta. Yeah, it's a little. Go ahead. Uh, what do we got next? What, we're going to clear the docket. First up on the docket, what do we got? Well, we're, we're on the second item because Bunny was the first thing on the docket and the delicious coffee. Oh, well, I guess that's provided. right. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking that was like a, a above. That was just a, you know, this is an amazing thing that happened to start the show. And now let's get into the docket. But but I agree with you. That was the first item on the docket. So item number two, bailiff. God, I'm the bailiff. <laughs> I'm everyone's personal assistant and I'm bailiff rusty. It's just not fair. Um, Nicholas Georgiakopoulos. Oh, great. Yeah. Proceed, Governor. <laughs> um, well, I, uh, 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 Nicholas well, sent us yes. a, a lovely email. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked at length, I believe in our prior episode, yes. about, about his email. About his email with an interesting model for thinking through probabilism and jury verdicts and criminal uh, cases and uh, and he simply enjoyed the fact that we uh, worked through it in an interesting way and appreciated what we did. And I appreciate that he gave us an opportunity to think at more length about a very tough set of issues and problems. Yeah. So maybe one good purpose of bringing up his email now uh, that is not self-congratulatory um, <laughs> is uh, uh, what you're, you're you're rolling your eyes. I, no, what I want to say, though, is that... It's like you're blaming me for being self-congratulatory. No, 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 no. You blamed us last time for that, if I recall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, is, is that... Yeah, I would want to encourage people to, you know, if you've got a, an idea, even if it's lengthy, and, uh, you know, send it in. And he was... Uh, his longish email was inspired by the... I won't say inspired, but, yeah, but it was in response to our serial podcast. Right. And and it gave us a, a lot to kind of chew on. And I'm just happy that we kind of met with his expectation. Like he, yeah. our conversation met with what he would want to see as a response. And you know, to that. when when uh, if you have a longish reflection uh, and you think to yourself, "Oh, they won't want to read that," that's not necessarily true. In fact, it's not. It's not true. I mean, we'll read. Doesn't mean we're going to talk about it at length uh, in an episode necessarily. We might. We might not. You never know. But I certainly enjoy hearing. Uh, the th- the thoughts of people who've been engaged and listened and have something to share. I mean, I think that's yeah. great. Even if it translates into why you guys are idiots, parts one through ten. Right. We'll read it. Sure. We'll read it. Um, Nicholas is kind of, is doppelganger the right word? He's like an omnipresence on the show, in a way. 
We gotta have the. We gotta have him on at some point. That's and the word for that is not doppelganger. But, yeah, I know. But he's like, but he's like the he's like the the the, the, the uh, spectral presence. Like he's always you know he's uh, he's always there. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? He's the brooding omnipresence in our sky. Right. He is the law. Yeah. Um. Yeah, my mom just popped in. Hey, in the studio. Yeah. Probably uh, leave that in. Uh, so that's cool. And, and Nicholas, I believe you will really enjoy next week's episode. Ooh, teaser. There's a little teaser. Teaser. <laughs> teaser. All right. Anything it's, else about it's that? It's pronounced teaser because it's a French word. <laughs> I think what? you mean tiasse. <laughs> what? I don't, anything else about, about, uh, about that? No. Okay. Uh, Derek Muller, friend of the show, Derek Muller. Mm-hmm. Denizen of Pepperdine. <laughs> yeah might also be pronounced pepperdine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. would you care to share something about that oh you want me to do it so yeah yeah um i think do we, i have to do everything the uh, answer might be yes do i have to do everything yeah i'm hoping the answer is no so why don't i say Derek muller and why don't you pull your own weight <laughs> all right <laughs> i just thought you tee everything up that's what i'm doing <laughs> Now do it. Now say something. <laughs> this is what it's like, listeners. This is what it's Oy. like. This is. Yeah. So uh, Derek Muller, uh, we, we mentioned him on the show one or two weeks ago. I don't remember which one it was uh, because we were talking about the need to kind of spread the oral argument word and how we should really go on the road with this thing. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the reasons we should go on the road is I've never been to the state of North Dakota. And <laughs> it's the, I think it's the only state that I've not been in. And it's all, and, it's, oh, all no. it's all starting to make sense. Oof. No, um, Alaska. I've not been to Alaska. Yeah, I haven't either. either. Yeah, I, I, or Hawaii. I've Hawaii not been either. to Hawaii. I have been to Hawaii. Okay, cool. Um, which is why we have listeners there. Yeah, but we have no listeners from North Dakota, so maybe we need to take the show on the road and and you know drum up some drum up some business, Joe. Couldn't hurt. Drum up some business. Uh, and and I think I mentioned the show offhandedly. We should go out to Pepperdine. Not a bad place to hang out. Lovely. Uh, get listener, Apparently, get, given listen, get get listener Muller on on there, and maybe a, a few of his esteemed colleagues, and right. and and record a show. And he said that would be a great idea, and even tweeted a little picture of what it would be like. And out it there. was beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. I'm just going to jam that picture right into the show notes. I think absolutely. Copyright be damned, Joe. There's uh, there really won't be anything else in the show notes this week, so you might as well. I don't know. We'll see. You never know. You never know. It depends on what you have teed up for us next. Now, listener Bonnie sent us a nice note. Uh, this is not Bunny. This is Bonnie. Diff- totally different listener. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, listener Bonnie, and I believe I have said that in a way that can be orally distinguished from Bunny. Uh, <laughs> and Bonnie <laughs> uh, really enjoyed our episode uh, entitled uh, "Astronauts' Hair," which is about, among other things, the uh, eggs, uh, human eggs, as a as a donated resource for infertile couples and the tax treatment of same and yeah you uh, would think that that is not the most interesting thing about egg donation is like how you are taxed as an egg as an egg donor but it turned out to be a really fascinating it is very interesting uh episode that we did with lisa milet yes uh, who has uh, written articles about this thinking, you know, is our even, friend and colleague, Lisa even Milet. in the title, right? It's like, how do we think about egg donors? Are they like factories producing products? Or are they right. people providing services? You know, what's going on there? And tax is a way of, you know, it's one way that the law kind of says what that activity is. Or gives you an array law. of choices about what it might yeah. be. 
Because is the egg a product that's being sold? Right. Is the better way to focus on the activity, as you say, um, as a service being performed, one byproduct of which is the egg, but that's not the principal focus of what's going on. The principal focus of what's going on is the service being provided uh, by the donor. I mean, there's different ways to frame it, right? And right. they and it might interact with all kinds of legal issues. Yeah, we, we've gotten lots of good feedback on that episode. I think lots of people found it interesting in a way that you've said, oh, we're going to talk about tax for the next hour. Um, Lisa would tune in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of tax she was scholars a guest, would tune so she in. couldn't tune in. She was actually here, right? Um, um, but uh, and other tax people might might tune in and say, hey, "Fascinating! You finally got into an interesting topic." But a lot <laughs> of people might say, "You know, I'm going to pass on that one." Right. Uh, but it turned out to be really fascinating. And there's news about this, so this is an actual substantive discussion that we are about to have. Indeed, is that right? because yes, because uh, the when, when Lisa was a guest, I believe we talked about this case specifically. Um, the tax court uh, had indicated that it wanted to look more carefully at a case raising the question whether uh, an egg donor's uh, money received in the context of egg donation. So she was an egg donor. She received funds from the donation clinic that had arranged this donation event or events, plural. Uh, And the question was, was this money received um, damages of a sort that would not count as part of your taxable income. Uh, you might think of damages uh, in the conventional context, like uh, having been in a car accident and having received some monetary compensation for your injury in the car accident. Damages not taxable. As That's income. not taxable, right? Uh, yeah. In, so in this, uh, you have an arm injured, you've got pain and suffering and medical expenses. That's you receive compensation for that, and that kind of compensation is not taxable. That's the that's the rule, right? Yes, apparently. Yes. Um, and neither you nor I are anything approaching tax experts. But so this is what we understand point, to be the case. We read that case, so I would say we are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is, yeah. And, I, and in fact, I encourage the listeners to follow our, if you have a legal issue, just follow the advice we're about to give. Yeah. We're with really no perfect. further inquiry at all. <laughs> no. no. Uh, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, why bother? Uh, so the Perez case uh, raised the question, was the money she received as an egg donor was it categorized in that way? Um, and the argument would be something like, and if the facts are discussed in the Perez case, it's, uh, it'll, uh, you know, in some, in some detail, um, mm-hmm. being an egg donor involves pain and suffering, the phrase you just oh, used. I mean, it's, the, you know, yeah. the injections daily, um, they're painful, uh, they create bruises, there's, I mean, there are aches, not... there, there's, uh, there, there are aches, there's bloating, there's right. just the general discomfort. And then, of course, the procedure itself, the donation procedure itself is, you know, you're under anesthesia, which presents a certain level of risk. Right. Um, the procedure itself involves, you know, the body and harvesting eggs from right. inside the body and the instruments that are used. And right. So, so pe- you know, there's, there is physical suffering yeah. that goes into uh, being an egg donor. Uh, so was the money paid uh, damages for that? And she was paid $10,000, I think, twice I think was that, my quick reading of the facts. She went, she underwent this procedure twice. I think it, yeah, but I think it might have been, was it 10000 twice or 5000 twice? I thought it was $10,000 each time. Okay. And so in any so event. So it was $20,000 and she got a 1099. Uh, listeners know what a 1099, this is where you get, you've gotten some random money from somebody for some thing. Yeah, and they simply send you, and it's not, it, that doesn't mean it's been categorized in a particular way. It no. just means. The form says if you paid someone money, send them a form signifying this is what you had paid them. 
So, you know, and they filled out this form. And so the United States government now knows that you um, received from us this money, these payments. And so she, she, she considered it not to be taxable. Right. And did not pay tax, did not report it. On the theory that it was damages. Right. Right. Um, but the alternative theory would be, and in fact, the the conclusion the tax court reached yesterday in the case Perez that was released yesterday, mm-hmm. um, the court concluded that no, uh, it wasn't damages. It was fee for a service rendered. Now, it's true that the service involved physical pain and discomfort and risks of various kinds, all of which she knew about, agreed to up front, was fully apprised of. and engaged in the service, notwithstanding the fact that it involved that kind of pain. And one of the analogies, the court mentions a few analogies at the end, but, um, and in much the same way, the court says that you would think that a boxer endures pain in the boxing match, but is paid to be a boxer. That's what they've signed up for. So it doesn't mean the money they get paid to be a boxer is damages. I believe it's a boxing bout. Okay. Um, or the the I, thing I was thinking I of know. as I read the opinion was yeah. um, being a stunt man yeah. Yeah, or yeah, a stunt yeah. woman for right. uh, films, right? right. Um, you know, the service you're rendering as a performer is to engage in dangerous activities. I'm sure it, there's a lot of pain and injury involved in being a stunt person, uh, but that's the job, right? The job involves physical danger yeah. or you could be. These um, aren't exact though, are they? These, the anal- these analogies aren't exact. They're not exact, but I think they capture something important about the fact that that some services that people agree to render they agree to render aware of and notwithstanding the fact that they involve some physical discomfort not not every job right. is uh, pain free physically pain free and in that respect um it's not damages that you get after the fact for an unplanned event that injures you now I'm gonna, yeah, I'm out gonna, in the world, right? right? I, yeah. So it seemed to me to be a plausible uh, conclusion. I'm going to say something about this, and, and I'll probably will be reminded that Kimberly Kravick or and, and, and Lisa both in, those, in their respective episodes have talked about this better and maybe even contradicted, or, or maybe I even said something that contradicts us on the show, but... Um, uh, so we'll link up both of those shows because that's where we, I think we're, we're going to, we'll detail. give people the Perez case. Of course. Right? Yeah, that's we can a, have a PDF right. or, or the Perez case. I don't know if the court came out on how that's pronounced. Um, let's say, let's say, let's say, um, Perez. Okay. Okay. Um, the whole structure of egg donation, I mean, the, the cultural construction of what this is, I mean, this is the very name egg donation, right? Right. Is kind of de, it kind of decouples the payment from the rendering of the service and it you know that what you're doing is you're donating the eggs this is an altruistic act of donating the eggs and then afterwards you're being compensated for the pain that you've felt like that's the cultural construction of what's going on and i actually you know and i I forget whether we talked about this with lisa and and, and kim um i don't maybe they're they, they mentioned this but um my guess would be that that the reason we talk about it that way is not out of a fear of tax consequences, right? It's not because they were trying to arrange a transaction to minimize taxation, but that there's something else that's kind of culturally important about seeing that kind of transaction in what, in what Kim calls taboo trades elsewhere, right? Right. Um, as being fundamentally about like solidarity to others and the compensation comes in on the side in order, in order for us not to reduce what's going on to, to a market, right? That, 
There's something that people don't like about market transactions and these kinds of goods. And so we have the altruism part and the compensation part, and those two are separate. And tax is where we really get to the meat of it. Like, is it really that? Like, we are we going to really, you know... It's, har- it's harder to fudge it because you the tax law is the thing that forces you to try to say what the money is for and what right. the money's about. Now, a part of it, I think, is... Um, the notion that um, I think one thing they are seeking hard to avoid in the language of the transaction is the notion that the money is in exchange for the eggs. Yeah. So I think they are trying to to structure it in such a way that uh, it is not about the sale of a product. Right. And I think that that is that is both to prevent people thinking of it as selling organs. Right. Which they're not organs. So in that sense, no one should think it's selling organs. But even though they're not organs, given that organ sale is affirmatively against the law, as I understand it, as a federal matter, Mm -hmm. it is unlawful to sell your organs. um, Better to stay farther away from it than get anywhere near it. Right. I wish you'd reminded me of this yesterday. Why? (laughs) You seem okay. I don't. Um, don't. So, so. You know, you don't want it to appear to be a product sale, so you find a way to talk about it that isn't a product sale. For organ for organ sale, trying to avoid that frame. Mm-hmm. But I think the other reason to avoid the frame of thinking of it as selling your eggs um, is because it invites quite uncomfortable questions about um, the the. It draws unfortunate analogies to things like slavery. Yeah. Right? It's you it looks like you're selling people. You're not selling people. You're selling eggs which are materials that can be used in a biological process, the un- result of which is a person. So I'm you know, I'm not saying you're by engaging in this egg thing with un- infertile couples you're a slave trader not what i'm saying what i'm saying is they're trying to avoid anyone even beginning to think about it that way right so the rhetoric of egg donation now and that's that's that was uh you know um raiden's contribution peggy raiden's contribution to uh um to thinking about these issues was was by identifying a kind of harm in markets and just using market type of language um yeah commodification commodifies it it draws an equivalence between Money and and drawing an equivalent in rhetoric between money and these things may cause harms. The language in the if and this language is is rehearsed in the court's opinion. The 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 language in these agreements that donors make with the agencies and the couples uh, who are going to receive their eggs um, set make make explicit. And this might even be required by the standards that are imposed by this national organization that. Uh, creates uh, ethical standards for this process. But the the language is um, explicit that the money uh, doesn't vary with the number or quality of the eggs that result. Right. So even if the process, and the reason the court points this out is, it meant that she was entitled to receive these funds even if no eggs resulted. Yeah, or even if no usable cut, eggs right, But that seems only to cut against the possible interpretation of what she did as the sale of a capital asset, right? It doesn't distinguish between um, the notion of her what she was doing as a 
as a, um, uh, a a service that is taxable as a service or as a donative thing for which she's being compensated. Agreed, right. but right. It, but but where what you're trying to do is deter people from thinking this as organ sale or human trafficking. Right. Preventing people from thinking of it as a sale of goods is it is the, right. exactly what you're intending. And if she right? were if if it were that right, if if we said, oh, this really is a sale of goods, then. What, what should be taxed at the capital gains rate or something, right? Yeah, Where, and you'd yeah. have to do all kinds of things like yeah. what's the basis in – a bunch of questions this court decision says are not at issue here. Right. Because it's not a sale of goods. And it's you get like, into that basis stuff, which in, you know – That's right. For me, Lisa a basis – you know, That's like – unless you're talking about vector spaces, I don't understand what a basis <laughs> is. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. So anyway uh, – not at issue in the case. Not at issue in the case. Because the court frames it but as the boxer thing, a the, service contract. The boxer thing, I don't know. I mean, um, I understand the court's concern, right? You, you worry about other people being able to jam what they've done into this idea of compensation. In fact, we even talk about compensation salary. to prevent it's being taxed. Right. We even talk about people who have worked in ordinary ways going into an office as receiving compensation, right? So that word compensation doesn't distinguish between. Of course not. Right. Damages uh, versus income. Yeah, damages is a funny word for what's – so the the boxer is is going to be hurt probably, not necessarily. Maybe the other person doesn't ever land a punch, right? But the boxer is being paid to go out there and, and try as hard as, as, as he or she can to win the, the bout, right? And the person staging the bout definitely wants both boxers to get hit. They, okay. want an, they want something entertaining to happen. That's why I know they want both boxers to get hit because they, that's what's entertaining to people. Let's not sit here and believe that it would be a successful boxing match if one person didn't have any punches on them. It's yeah, not but true. you're also paying them to punch, right? You're paying them to be good, a good boxer, right? You're not just saying, course, okay, you're going to go out there and you're going to get hurt. Part of being a and, good boxer means you get hit. Yeah, but it's all – in order to be a good boxer, you're doing all kinds of training. You're, you're learning how to hit well and you're going to get hit. But no one would – I mean – You're going to get hit. Thank you. Well, I probably. You were denying that a person was going to get hit. I'm not I denying it. I'm saying crazy. it's probably going to happen. It might not happen. If it's a very bad match, you will not get hit. Right. Correct. Actually, that – you know, if, if there were a boxing – well, we should get that. Is it? Is it? A, it's certainly not a boxing game, but let's call it that anyway because it's goofy. So, um, if you're involved in a boxing game, <laughs> oh god, uh, and no one gets hit, that would be a special boxing game. I think that would on, on the pay per view that would uh, people would be dialing in, paying money to yeah, see like the plays of that. Right? One. You could imagine both fighters are just sort of chasing each other around the ring, but never reaching each no, other. No, one of them beats you know one of them beats the other one up, but but the one who wins never never took a punch. Never took a compensable I wonder if punch. In the history of boxing, has there ever been one like the fight starts and basically one boxer just, you know, a roundhouse punch right on the other boxer's face who gets knocked out cold and that's the match? I bet that's happened. But in boxing, see, you are paying someone in advance and maybe even after. I don't know how these compensation is, is structured in, in boxing because you think they're going to be good at boxing, right? Or put on an entertaining yes. match. And they're going to train in order to land punches, to evade them. They're going to train in order to be a good boxer, right? Whereas in the egg donation context, the way that it's structured, again, the compensation doesn't turn on the uh, quality or amount of eggs harvested or, or even their viability, right? Uh, and uh, the person is really being paid... After the fact, because, you know, so why would a person not donate eggs who could? Because it's uncomfortable, right? It's, it hurts. Right. Right. 
and to me, the question is, um, yeah, but it's like saying, you know, why does a person, um, why does a person get paid to go to an office? They could just go to the office. Why do they have to be paid to go to that office and do that paperwork? Right. Well, because they would rather spend their time some other way. So in order to induce them to do it, you pay them. What if you knew for sure, though? What if you knew for sure? So someone wants a kidney or something else. I mean, whatever the organ is, okay? And you know for sure that the person's reasons for doing, for, for donating that thing are purely altruistic. And you also know for sure that uh, they were compensated after the fact, but that the compensation really just was for pain and suffering and for uh, I think that's expenses. permitted. Would that be taxable? And the, the Perez opinion here seems to say that if there's a, it seems to turn on the fact that there was a contract in advance to provide a service. Yes. Right. And that's what makes it especially clear in the court's mind that the suffering, although it was, um, it did occur, was incidental and um, an unfortunate thing wrapped up right. with what they absolutely agreed to. Right. It, so what I'm really getting at is does the, is the Perez case, would it turn out differently um, or, or does it turn out the way that it does because we think the $10,000 is more than she would have gotten in a tort case with equivalent amounts of prodding and poking and pain? Oh, I don't think they've, uh, no, I don't, that, to me, that doesn't sound like it helps analyze it at all. And I, I didn't get any sense of that from the court's opinion, no. Well, that's, oh, does it, why does it not help analyze, right? Because um, if I have purely altruistic motives, so I mean, the whole idea of tort compensation is you're being put in the position you were in before, right? By being compensated for these, uh, for the injuries that you suffer. And if I don't, if I'm not trying to gain any profit from what I do. But look, that's part of it, but that's not, uh, to me, it's, it's the, the fact that we require you to compensate the injured party is, is, follows from the fact that it's important for us to provide the injured party an opportunity to obtain redress. Well, I mean, it's the fact well, we're that we're going to get into theories of tort. There are multiple it's the fact theories that, of tort I understand law. that, yeah. but I'm, but I think it's, I think it's critically important um, that a person who's who suffered a wrong out there in the world because people are doing all their various things and sometimes it leads to mishaps, right? Yeah. The fact that the person who suffers the harm from that mishap has an opportunity to ask for redress and have that request heard. Right. It, that that's an important context. In let me which, let me let me give you an example, though. I know I'm cutting you off. Can I finish the point? Which no, is, that's well, very ahead. distinct yeah, from from two people agreeing that I we're going to engage in this relationship together with this particular objective in mind. And one of the things that's going to happen is I'm going to be physically hurt by what happens. But I understand that you do too. This is our agreed on rate. In the words of Lord Chancellor Hodgman, specificity is the soul of narrative. So I'm going to give you a specific hypo and and to work through here and under that analysis. So suppose you've got a car and it's on a, in a parking lot and people are doing filming there. They're filming a commercial or a movie or something. Okay. Sure. And stuff's going to happen. You know, they're going to be, I don't know, maybe someone riding a bike around or driving a car crazy or, you know, there's going to be something happening there, which could possibly damage your car. And there are two possible things. This is in the scene they're filming. This is in the scene that they're filming and they just want the existing cars to be there. They're trying to do it quickly. Uh, and there are two, let's, the two possible ways that they could approach you about this. So one is, Hey, you know, this is an indie film. This will help us out. Do you mind leaving your car here? If there are any damages, we'll cover them. Okay. And maybe your car gets dinged up a little bit. There's an assessment of how much damage is done to your car and they give you some compensation for that. 
Okay. In the other, they so say- So we're agreeing in advance that, they, that they're accepting responsibility for any harm that, exactly. that happens. Right. Which does, so does they're not going to contest fault. They're well, agreeing they're at fault in advance. In, 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 and they're agreeing right. they're the cause and they're, they're therefore responsible. And, and they'll pay you even if they weren't negligent. That's what they've agreed to. That's correct. right. So even if they were using due care and your damage, right? So they, they may be even paying you when you wouldn't be able to recover in tort. Had right. you not been there. That sounds like that's what you just agreed to. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the other possible way of, of structuring this is they say, um, we're going to do this. There's some risk of damage to your car here, but we're going to pay you a few hundred dollars in advance um, for that risk, right? And just for letting your car stay here. Yeah. And in exchange, you're providing the car. You're providing the car. And maybe you take some risk. If the damages are more than that, you right. take some risk. But if they're less than that, you right. can. Sounds like um, what we agreed on was to for that money to change hands for that use. Which of those is taxable? Um, my understanding of this tax court opinion that we're talking about is that the latter is taxable and the former is not. Yeah, the, mine too. That's the way I would understand it, right? And the first one is compensation for damages in a settlement. And I wish Lisa were here so she could correct us if well, we're fundamentally misguided oh, about this. But I, that's what I, yeah, that's what it sounded like to me. See, we're just laying the groundwork for another blockbuster Lisa, show with Lisa, right? Because so we're going to say, good. this is the great thing about the show. This is very smart of us to do that. I, you know, Joe, you usually say wise stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll accept you, but I usually say really dumb things and it, and what it does is it, it lays the groundwork for a show. I'm this not, has happened before where I've said dumb things and then we have to have a show about yeah, it. Then we get like Michael Dorf to come on and Set he corrects right. all the dumb things that we've yes. said. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. I, I, awesome. I hope that Lisa is just like, she can't even sit still. Yeah, she could come barreling through this door like within a few <laughs> minutes. We have no idea. Right. But so, so that's, that's the essence of it, right? The, in the first example you know, they're going to pay you ex post for damages. In the second example, they're paying you ex ante for the for letting your car undergo the risk of damage. And maybe you could even do some math to figure out that this is um, based on what they're doing. This is really just a, and in, a, a, a present value risk assessment of possible future yes, damages. Yes, and importantly, therefore, in the second case, I, after they give me that money, I can't later say, oh, and in addition, I want to sue you in tort for your negligence. Now, let me give you the third example. Right? Because we've agreed in advance that this was the arrangement. And so we were were trying to uh, uh, assess that risk and and balance the risks as against each other beforehand. Let me give you the third example. Yes, I agree. Here's the third example. What will you do with this? Suppose now that they are going to drive around crazy and they know they are going to damage your back um, left side of your car, you know, so there'll be some, you have to replace a little piece. Now I know about this cause I just backed into my wife's car. Oh yeah. So we're going to have to do some kind of replacement of her panels. You know, these little panels they've got, these, yeah. what do they call them? Quarter panels. Yes. I'm not a car guy, but I believe that is, is that the same as term. having, is that the same as having twin overhead cams? Uh, I think so. Or cans. Or is that a place in France where they do the movies? They definitely. Yeah. Okay. Lots of twin overhead cans. <laughs> France. Um, that's that song, right? Brumch. Oh, th- is that that's the can can? That's twin overhead cans. Oh, we right? we. Uh, so anyway, um, they know you're gonna knock. They know you're gonna knock, your it, and, and they just say, "Let me just give you the money in advance for this quarter panel." Like how I'm throwing away, the, throwing around the car lingo now. It's so awesome. <laughs> uh, they know how much it is, and you know, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm gonna run into it. Right, we've already counted. The speed is not going to be such that will damage anything else. And if we do damage something else, then maybe we'll talk. Right, so maybe we'll talk if, if there are any other damages. But here's the here's the money to replace the quarter panel, and they pay you that up front. No more, no more. Is that taxable? 
um, it sounds to me, it mm-hmm. sounds more like the second event than the first. Event. Sure does, doesn't it? I mean, it's what? Wait, whoa, what? What? Sounds more like the it sounds more like the second hypo we had than the first hypo we had. The second hypo we had was here's the money we're going to pay you in advance to expose your car to the risk. Right. We don't have a plan to hit it right. in the second hypo. Um, so it's it differs in that way, but t- the estimating beforehand and agreeing beforehand mm-hmm. sounds the same. No, but it, but in the third hypo, I'm saying if I you know if there are other injuries, I'll compensate you, of course, for those. But we know we're going to destroy the one of the quarter panels, and so I'm going to yeah, pay so you the money for that. that you pay me for that is taxable. That's if a- there's other damage and you pay me additionally for that other thing, then that's like hypo one, and that wouldn't be. Even if the amount they pay you is just to replace the quarter panel they're destroying. That seems crazy to me. Because that's, that's like an expense. I mean, maybe... Why? Because you, you, you guys agreed beforehand that that was... And it was precisely because they believed that to be the thing that would happen that you guys have made this arrangement. You're providing your car in order for us to hit its back panel. That's what we're expecting to happen. Yeah. But I think the way this would actually work out, of course, is that to the extent this was a transaction, you, your, your net in that transaction was zero. Like you didn't profit from it. Right? And so there'd be no tax. Wait a minute. You did profit from it. No. No, they just, all they did was give you the money to buy the new quarter panel. Right? Well, Okay. Right. It's it, it's the same as any other kind of business but, but, expense. I, I, I don't know. It's, well, I it's don't interesting because now, it's but, same, but but what you've interestingly raised is, uh, you know, okay, what if I don't take that money and go replace the the panel? Well, that's. I mean, but you but you built into it, you the reason you you made it sound like it wasn't that I didn't realize any benefit from it because I just paid the money back out again to replace the panel. Right. But what if I don't? Well, then your car is worth less. It's worth less by exactly the amount it costs to uh, replace the panel. So in terms of your wealth. You yeah, just... but, but of course, that's not what the question is. The question is, have I, do I have income? Yeah, there's not, no, there's... not is there an offsetting expense that I could, this is. No, we, there's no net income. Now we really it's need... not actually taxable. We, I, I, I will stake my, I, I will bet. That you... in hypo three, it, that is not taxable. Not taxable, I think. When they in advance agree to perfectly calibrate that which is paid to that which you will lose. Right. Just like if they agree in advance just to compensate you the value for any part which is damaged. Like that was hypo one, right? And then afterwards they pay you for the things that they damaged. The only difference between hypo one and hypo three is that you've, they've told you exactly what they're going to damage and you know it's going to happen. Oh, so they knew in hypo one that was going to happen? Was that right? I'm, 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 losing, I'm losing the thread. I feel like you changed the hypos mid-hypo. I thought hypo one was that... Um, uh, what they I've, say I've gone is it could hole. be harmed, it might not be harmed. We're not sure. But we will pay you compensation for whatever is harmed. Correct. That was the agreement, right? Yeah. And if they actually follow through with that after they damage something and they pay you compensation, your intuition was that's not taxable because that's just like settling a, damages even, from even right. though there was a contract to do exactly that in advance. Well, no, there wasn't. There was an agreement that they wouldn't contest their fault, their responsibility. Ah, see, that's that's these, not an agreement to pay a particular amount it, of money. It is both. It is clearly both. It is. It's an no, agreement. It's, not. it's clearly both, Joe. They they they, they are agreeing in advance to pay you the compensatory value of any damaged part. Yeah, but we could still differ on what that amount was. Okay, so does the hypo turn on whether they have a list of parts and values when you make that initial agreement? No. 
But in my mind, it is interesting and important that. that they could disagree about the amount. They just couldn't disagree about their fault. Okay. Well, so, all right. So change the first hypo. Suppose it's a list of parts of cars and exactly how much. And it, we agree that's the list that will we govern. Agree that's, that's the list that governs. Then does that change? Number one. Uh, Do you see the connection? So I don't, I don't know if we're, I don't. I'm having fun talking to you about this, but I don't know if it's annoying too. to the listeners or not. We'll have to listen and see. But um, the connection, of course, so with the, the what connection, was the point of, course, of all this? Well, the point of all of this is that if you know in advance the pain and suffering and all of that involved with getting poked, prodded and, and hormones and anesthesia involved with egg donation, um, you could see it like hypo number three, right? That That this is... You know, we know what this is going to be like. We know that if if this happened to you in circumstances in which oh, this was your thing of is it es- an estimate of what you would get in tort in tort, right? If you take out of the tor- like, if someone actually did poke you and prod you and put you under anesthesia, there'd be all kinds of punitives, and you'd pay. Right, you, you know, get so much more course, than ten thousand right? so, dollars. So you have to be in this in this other world where all of this happens by ordinary negligence, and all we're doing is compensating, right? And right. you could. That you know, it's hard to come up with a scenario where exactly the same pattern of injury. But you can imagine injuries happening that aren't the, you know, so outrageous that we think there should be punitives. And what you get is just compensation for those images, uh, for those uh, 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 damages and the pain and suffering that uh, that accompanies them. Um, and and I don't see why there could why it would be taxable if there's a, a you know you're doing something and there's an agreement in advance not to litigate that. But that can't look. We could say the reason, all right, so I'm paying you um, a salary to come in and do this counting job, and you agree to accept that. Right, yeah. No, because, I know you say, yeah. you know, you're, the, the, ta- the toll on you psychically and the toll on you physically and the opportunity cost of not being able mm-hmm. to do other things in those hours, mm-hmm. and that that's the damages, that's the way to estimate the harm to you right. for having to be, to work there as an accountant. Right. This so is why this is why behind the scenes we're having a big fight about how much money I should pay you to come on this show. It's <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> so a, a little peek behind the oral argument curtain. Right. Um, so so that I I just that's that's what's that's what seems silly about your your assessment of hypo three that um, that that would prevent it from being viewed as um, income different from damages see, I paid think that's after what's, the fact, right? But I think that's what's inherently, that's one of the things that's difficult people, about the egg cases. What we pay people in a service contract is, is in some sense, always an estimate about right. some other world they could create, but right. they prefer this one. And that, they're willing to take this amount of money to be in this yeah. world instead of that one. But this, of course, is my... Right? This, well, yes. And this, of course, I think is my point, that, um, uh, that there are two rhetorical frameworks for what's going on under each of which the answer looks easy right yes. but the reason the egg case is hard is because each rhetorical trope kind of applies sure right and sure. so in other words the rhetorical you know overlay you put on this thing doesn't get at what's hard about the case right it doesn't resolve the 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 um the 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 cultural uh um discomfort with what's going on, right? You can't, you, the fact that you can characterize it two ways doesn't mean um, that the case is, uh, well, the fact that you can characterize it as a service doesn't mean that the case is easy, right? Fair enough. And, and it might be that the case actually would be dramatically easier 
in a number of respects if we did think about it as a sale of a product, right? right? The money in exchange for the eggs. Now, I do think that is not what happened because I think it really is important that it was agreed that the money would flow to her even if no eggs were recovered. Right. But it also and, doesn't reflect the, you know, if you think of the physical reality of doing one of these things, right? I mean, the, the reason you would withhold your eggs rather than give them up, right? I'm talking specifically about you now, Joe. Okay, thank you. Um, is uh, that you think about what you have to do in order to give them up, right? And it's it, it's not quite like, oh, I have to part with these things that are valuable to me in the way that you would part with other things that you own which have inherent value. It's that I've got to go and I've got to get these uncomfortable pokes and prods and hormones. And you know, it's the act of the, the things that I physically will have to do that would cause me to withhold the donation or withhold the grant, the grant of the eggs. Right. And, and so in that sense, like in terms of like lived human experience, the service rhetoric seems more apt mm -hmm. to me. Right. Right. Um, but it's, that still doesn't answer the question of whether this service is, um, is, is being could, paid for, or if what's being paid for is the discomfort that attends the right. service. But you could right? structure it very differently where, you know, no money changes hands unless we successfully have at least 10 eggs, all of which are uh, healthy enough to be used in a, right. in a fertility procedure. Right. You could imagine that transaction. You could also imagine. In that transaction, it would be very hard to deny that the money was in exchange for the eggs. You could also imagine. Would it not? You can also imagine a transaction where the the boxer is only paid if he or she gets beaten up a certain amount, right? You get sure. paid ten dollars per bruise or something. Sure. Oh boy, I don't know. I I think it's um, I I think that the court was motivated to draw a line, right? Um, partly because of the the idea that you could agree to undergo some human activity and be paid in advance for that thing and then characterize what you're being paid for as the discomfort of going through with the thing, right? That that possible narrative of human events could be translated to the box or into any number of other kinds of human activity. And the worry <laughs> is that once you allow people Indeed. to do that, then we have all these complicated Indeed. cases. It could be translated into any situation where a person is being paid and engaging in an activity they would prefer not to engage in. Right. Well, but, welcome to most people's jobs, at least some of the time. Right. Right. It's you amazing. Know, when, it's amazing you're not holding out for compensation on this show. <laughs> now that you put it that way. I was thinking of grading. Now, but, well, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the mental anguish and torture. So, so it's like, and the court is quite explicit about the fact that that, that absurdity has to be avoided. Yes, but it's that's that's true. But Toward the end of the opinion, it's framed explicitly right. in that way. If 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 this is damages as to Perez because of the discomfort engaged in it providing the service, then what about all these other people who right. provide services that involve physical um, injuries? With farmers, boxers, stunt doubles. They don't mention stunt doubles. Um, you know, there's tons of people. But what, paper, uh, just, I was at just, the office, yes, I got a paper right. I mean, cut. It was a, terrible. Yeah, but that, I mean, I'm not persuaded just by the need to, that the need to draw a line. Persuaded right. by it either, but I do think it's part of what's, uh, I think it's, it is not a bad point to make about the fact that these categorization exercises wind up having 
a variety of contexts because of the analogies you can make to other similarly situated, yeah, although not identically situated It doesn't situated grapple people. with what's hard about the case. Okay. So right. what's hard about the case? Grapple with it. Well, what's hard about the case is that although one could take these two different rhetorical approaches to um, any kind of compensation for services, that is, on the one hand, you're being compensated for the harms that you that are being visited upon you by doing the thing. So I, I show up in an office every day and I could say, well, I'm not really being paid for my services rendered. I'm being compensated for um, uh, the harms which are occurring to me, which if somehow there were a tort committed that imprisoned me in an office for this period of time and I had to do these tasks which are horrible, like I would be able to win in tort law, right? Yeah, and I so could I bring should, a case for misprison right. and I could be, right. Right, and 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 just because you could characterize it that way, but you could also characterize it as services, well, that's just like the egg case, they say, right? It's just, you know, <laughs> but but the fact I, is- I thought you the, were, were going to tell is, us what's hard about well, the case. The, the, what's hard about it is that both of these rhetorical framings seem apt, right? They both are, are stories that both seem persuasive in the same way that the, that the car case, right? Like the car case, I think, exposes how- it's kind of like this and it's kind of like okay, that. So, Lisa's whole paper, right? So the, write a better opinion we... for us. What's, so what's the better way to deal with it than what the court did? Well, you just said the, the court didn't grapple with what's hard about the case. So grapple with it. I would want to think, I think, you know, this is, I'm off the top of my head because I literally just scanned this opinion right before we went on the air. Um, I would want to think about whether the $10,000 is a real estimation of what could be, um, why, why does that matter? Let's assume it's a, it is a good estimate. Let's assume that if you looked at tort verdicts, mm -hmm. uh, other than, uh, for punitive damages in right. cases of physical injury of a similar scope, right. Uh, in that jurisdiction in the recent past, right. And let's say that the median award was, oh, look at that. It's about nine, it's about $9,900. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Oh, uh, look, it's about $10,100. Let's assume that were what you saw. Who cares? Yeah. I think it, because we want to incentivize people to do it. Incentivize people to do what? To, to donate eggs. That would be the reason, I guess that, that you, in other words, you, you want to allow people to shift that cost, right? So, so if someone donates eggs, there's going to be a cost, right? Yes. Right. And the cost, if, if you, in, in a world where you can't, where you, where you or prohibited from being compensated, right? That would require all of the loss to be. That's on not the, on the table. We're to, we're, what we're talking about isn't whether there can whether this can occur. Right. I'm, I'm just illustrating the fact that, that that there's a choice in the law about how to allocate um, the, the the cost of going through with egg donation. Okay, uh, and and one possible world is it's totally prohibited, and then all of the cost of the donation is sticks on the donor, right? But, but in another world, it's. Uh, um, it's it's completely permitted and maybe well calculated to be compensatory and not taxable, in which case, right, all of the cost of that of that injury, all of the all of the cost of engaging in that is on the donee, right, through the organization or whatever, uh, whatever, the, whatever scheme there is to, to, to facilitate these donations. So presumably the donee may pay for some of this. So so that all that cost is cost is shifted under a tax regime. Right. You're able if 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 the compensation is set up to reproduce what you could have gotten in tort for this, right? To put you in no better position. In other words, you're not profiting from it as we adjudge the experience you went through. Uh, then you are systematically undercompensated because a lot of it is going to 
tax, right? Whereas in, so if it were, make sure I understand what you're saying. So, so if it were a good estimate of what a tort award would be like yeah. for those sorts of injuries, um, that's a reason to think it should not be deemed income for right. purposes of income taxation. Right. Because if you deem it income, you're going to tax it. You're taking away some of that money. Right. You should leave it in the donor's pocket. Right. Because it's an estimate of the physical harm. Yeah. But of course, you know, what's going to happen is if it's, so they declare it a tax. And if it really was about compensation, then you're just going to have to pay the person more. Right. Because you're going to have to just calculate that some of it will go for tax. Right. And what that tax does is it just makes these transactions marginally um, less valuable. Yeah. In general. So right? you have. So you have made it less, you've made it less rewarding for people, literally, for people to be donors. Well, no. By taxing, by taking some of it off the top. So you, so they'll have to turn to the donees and say, pony up more money. Now, interestingly, um, this standard setting body that is referred to in the opinion, uh, um, actually, uh, imposes a cap. Uh, 10,000 is the maximum you can pay compliant with this ethics standards, which is why there is a separate lawsuit, uh, which is about price fixing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, which is also referenced. Kim Kravick has written about that. Yes. Yeah. And it's referenced in the case. Yeah. And, and the Perez case. what will be interesting is if this sticks, um, will, will you be able to pay $10,000 plus tax? <laughs> right. I, right. There should be no reason to, if it really is about compensation, you should be able to pay $10,000 plus the tax liability. That's what you should be able to be paid, right? And if that tax liability will depend on your income. If it's really about that, if it's really about what? It's, it's really about compensation for injury, right? Then, then the amount the person should be allowed to be paid is $10,000. If you think everybody's basically injured by that amount, and that's just a rough calculation of right. what, and, and, and because the procedures are roughly the same. Now, what if, so let's go back and say, what if it turned out that if you looked at uh, that actually, oh my gosh, the, it turns out the jury awards for these courts, they actually far exceed $10,000. How does that affect your analysis of whether it should be deemed income and therefore taxed as income? If if that were the case, then you would wonder why anybody ever donates and you'd be looking at the market to see why a bunch of uh, donors are being um, either uh, are being taken advantage of. Uh, or if they are just truly altruistic people who are recognizing the inability of donees to pay for their injuries, right? And, you know, I know this is going to hurt me, um, but it helps you and you wouldn't be able to be helped because you wouldn't be able to, otherwise, because you wouldn't be able to pay me the full so compensation. So there's sort of an in-kind compensation. I'm willing to, there, I find enough, I get enough benefit psychologically. From your joy. From, donating. yeah, from how yeah. I'm helping you. Right. That. The fact that that makes up the difference between the 10,000 and, you know. Yeah, right. Either that's going on or there's some market failure, which is causing people systematically to, um, not systematically not to demand enough compensation. Right. Um, but also, you know, that goes into like, you could win this much in tort, but maybe if you're very poor, you value your suffering a lot less. You know, this, I don't, we're, we're so, you know, we're making Lisa so mad right now. I know. What if it's like, what if it's, what if it's, um, you know, almost done it. like it's, it's, you would recover, you would recover, um, three times this in tort. Uh, no, excuse me. Uh, you would recover twice this in tort. So this is the, this is the, um, the two thirds you would get to keep and, and the, you've got to count the lawyer's third. All right, 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 right. So this is, so no, not half. So it would be, it would be two thirds 
10,000 is two thirds of what you would recover. That's actually what it should be, right? Yeah, 150 A lot of plaintiffs uh, proceed by way of a contingency fee award. Yeah, so the, the amount you would recover in tort would represent 150% of your expected compensation in tort. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, if you... This the, is two... Th- the 10,000 is two-thirds of what you would recover. So you'd recover 15. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah, lawyer we're gets thinking five, of five you get yeah, 10. Yeah. I'll have to cut this out because it's ridiculous. But yeah, you're right. What you're, do you mean it's... We're thinking of a different way. I'm thinking if it's 10... If you were to recover $10,000, then... It would mean the jury had given you actually get two-thirds of it. Yeah, So the lawyer took five. Yeah, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. Have we... Have we cut this out? Of course not. It's gold. Podcast gold for us to argue over. <laughs> 10 or 15 to, to basically misunderstand one another <laughs> for minutes on end for, oh yeah that's what what is life if not a series of <laughs> this misunderstandings is what I'm saying. Yeah. if you cut this out you got nothing <laughs> oh is it what else you what else is on your list um i, I feel like we've we've teed up enough china we've teed up enough misunderstandings and you know yeah, oh yeah i i should have put this at the beginning of the show you still can true <laughs> True. Well, maybe I'll do it at the beginning of the show next time, too. Law students of the world. Yes. Um, I'll pretend I'm one. Yes. Have you ever dreamed of being misinformed by me in person? No. <laughs> yeah. That's not the right answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and perhaps, you know, instead of just being misinformed uh, by a disembodied voice into your ear holes for wherever you are, mm-hmm. how about being misinformed by me in China? Why not, right? Now, you're assuming they can see you better in China. I think they can. I think that's true. I'm guessing there are some days in Shanghai when that's not true. No, Shanghai, is, it's quite good. They have, uh, uh, the yeah. air is sufficiently Beijing clear. has issues. Oh, yeah, Beijing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, it's, uh, I, I had a, so I was there two years ago mm-hmm. teaching. So UGA has a program, a China program. In Excellent. addition to other programs. And it's open not just to UGA students, but to other law students around the country. Mm. And it's a, it's a, I forget, is it three weeks or four weeks? It's a multi-week be, program. What will you be uh, teaching in the well, program? I'm teaching in the Shanghai portion. Where can someone learn more about this? I, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Okay. It's on the website. Look in the show notes. In the notes. show notes. Yeah, in the show notes. And it's a really good program. You, so it's uh, in combination with um, uh, Tsinghua University and... Um, is that right? In uh, in Beijing, I might have to just cut this out. You I, had a great time last time. I, I did, and, and so th- these are really great universities in Beijing and in Shanghai. And you're in, and the instruction is from uh, Chinese instructors at those universities, and um, uh, Don Johnson here at the Rusk Center, who's fantastic and Your has UGA. a lot of experience with China as in his former role. He was a former congressman and also a former ambassador, and and uh, worked on trade issues, so knows a lot about this stuff. And the students have loved it. And in the in Shanghai, there you learn from more Chinese professors and from me. I do uh, a section on it's basically kind of takings law, comparative international takings. So you learn a little mm. bit like Chinese property law, um, Chinese expropriation laws. So if you're doing business over there, but also other countries too, and we kind of see cool how the U.S. system kind of fits in with that. So it's it's it. The students have really these, liked it. A these issues of expropriation have have kind of. Have become part of lots of trade agreements, right? As well, so that yeah. I think there's an international trade kind of angle on yep. that, as I understand it. Yeah, uh, that makes it even all the more interesting. Yeah, we study. Yeah, that's we, one thing we talk about is, is uh, kind of the, the variation among domestic laws. You know, the laws of each country about how they deal with expropriation and regulatory takings, and 
and when you should be compensated when there's an unexpected break, that sort of thing. But as you say, uh, these the American approach has found its way into a lot of bilateral investment treaties. These are treaties between countries about business, right? Um, and so takings law or, uh, has is now not just a matter of domestic law, but is a matter of like international trade and is subject to arbitration. All these, so it's it's a very interesting and not topic. only in bilateral but in multilateral yeah, agreements yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's you know. Yeah. Lots of contexts in which it, it, but that's not the only. That's just one of the things that that the students do. They learn right. about you know Chinese law, they learn investment law, and they meet with they go to embassies, they meet with lawyers. So it's a it's a really great program that I feel really good about because it's not one of these international programs. And I don't know how many. I'm not casting aspersions on any. I'm sure there are lots of good programs, but right. it's not just a it's not a junket where there's an American prof teaching American students in a nice foreign place, and that's all that happens. And it could easy as easily happen at, at home. I mean. The uh, you're going to learn a lot from people in China and, and the students who went two years ago, you know, were over the moon about it. One of the best experiences they had. Yeah. So this is your chance if you're a law student and you're looking for something to do this summer. And it's in uh, it begins in June and it, you're, it's done pretty early in June. I, I want to say like by the end of the third week in June and, cool. and you can work overseas. Um, so it's a really great program. Uh, I'll include the link in the show notes. Nice. Your chance to be misinformed by me in person. And I'm here that? to tell you that that is excellent. I love <laughs> that I get misinformed by you in person. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting the highest quality level of misinformation from you. Yeah. Because it's in person. Oh, yeah. 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 I, 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 it would be enormously frustrating for me to be misinformed by you in a disembodied voice only. That's why you're not a listener. That's why you don't listen to the show, right? Correct. <laughs> I want to live it. Oh. Um, and I do. Yeah. Well, well, I'm, you should, lucky, you should, I'm a lucky man. You should come over there, Joe. Oh, to China? Yeah, you should just come in the summer and, and, and hang out. It's, You're it so is, right. It is so amazing. I mean, it's um, uh, it's so different and yet in some places so modern, but so many parts of the country are so different than other parts. You know, it's it's just, it's got this internal diversity, which is amazing. Mm. There's a huge difference in the law between the rural areas and the urban areas. There's a dramatic move to try to re-urbanize after you know, Mao sent people into the countryside and there was that back mm. to the, con- back to the farm. Right. You know, um, and you know, it's interesting the way that these past policies are being reckoned with over there. Um, there's a lot of learning that happens just, but even just by looking at expropriation and being in Shanghai and seeing the, you know, we talk about a lot of things that you can actually see, uh, out where we are. Um, you, you would love it. It's fun. And you can get to Hong Kong quite easily from mm. there. We did that. Uh, and which is a totally different kind. Anyway, I could go on. I could go on. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing experience. Awesome. So i i think I think now we've established that if that if you join us, law students of the world, it'll, Joe and I will both be there. Mm, no. Mm. Well, we're going to work on this. We're going to work on this. Sure. I'll, I'll ask you again next week if you've bought your tickets yet, Joe. Okay. What What else do you have on your list? Is that it? That was it. No, we had something else on there. Nope. I know we did. Nope. It feels like we had something else nope. on there. Ask me again. Uh, did we have anything nope. else on there? <laughs> it seems like we had something else nope. to talk about this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, hmm. Excellent. So, but you know, every week what happens is we get to the end of the show and I realize, oh, we forgot this thing. Got this bit of feedback. Okay, so I what was it? it? I don't know. I'm not going to know until we end the show. So, the quandary. listeners, if you would like to give us feedback that we will forget and have to hold over <laughs> until the next show. <laughs> Get in touch with us. What a goofy show this week. This is excellent. 
I, the, the docket I, is clear. Is the docket clear? The docket is officially clear. Oh, you know, one thing uh, that uh, that Bunny mentioned to me in our conversation uh, was how much she would like to hear about podcasts that we enjoy. And she had not yet listened in, uh, to the latest one where you mentioned, I think, The Kraken and something else. And and they're actually, that show was one where, um, or was that two weeks ago? I, you know, I can't remember these things now. We met, we went through a lot of podcasts podcasts that we enjoyed, and I ended up cutting some of that out. And I don't normally edit the oh. shows. Um well, lately I've been listening to um, other than for mistakes, and I mean, other I've been than listening for, to Philosophy Bites. Oh, I suggested that one to you, didn't I? And it's I've been enjoying it thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bullseye with Jesse Thorne, which I learned about because of the Judge John Hod- Hodgman, yeah, Judge John Hodgman podcast, which mm-hmm. is also great. Um, anything from Nerdist, N E R D I S T, Nerdist. Mm-hmm. Who who is the Nerdist? This is someone who works on nerds, um, <laughs> who studies nerds. <laughs> exactly, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, 99% Invisible with Roman Mars is really cool. Um, I'm a Slate Plus member, so I get the Slate podcasts like Culture Got Best and and such. Okay. Uh, so I like that one. Um, Tech Dirt started a podcast not too long ago, and I I have found that not to be not as enjoyable as I had hoped. I, I, I think but, they're, I think they're terrific. I don't listen, hopes, I don't listen, but you know, Joe's slamming them here on live on the air, but I think no, they're I'm great. No, I'm saying, look, look, I'm saying I haven't enjoyed them as they just started. So I'm going to keep listening because okay. I think it, it could easily get better. Yeah. And I, and as I've said that's, before, I'm an optimist. That's the whole, uh, that's the whole pitch of our show. Keep listening. It might get better. <laughs> I mentioned. <laughs> In I year, think, year two, we might get, we might improve. I think it could happen. You know, we might know. get listenable by so year three. Year three will be listenable. Couldn't get worse. Yeah, and that's when we make our big break in North Dakota. Should I wor- <laughs> should I worry about this? That's a great podcast. Okay. Um, Actually, I just subscribe to that one. I'm going to try that one out. Should I worry about this? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Let me do my rundown. while you Because mine will be really fast. Okay. And I'm just going to read you what I have in my Overcast client. You can do that. Uh, Philosophy Bites, um, University of Chicago Law Podcast, Radio Lab, uh, Debug, which is a show for developers and stuff, uh, Back to Work with Merlin Mann. Uh, I do have 99% invisible in here. Amicus. Amicus. Um, I'm an, I'm an Amicus subscriber. Why isn't that a, oh, because I get that at Slate Plus now. Uh, Oral Argument. That's a little known, kind of an obscure show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Accidental Tech Podcast, because that has John Syracuse in it. The Incomparable, and I, especially when John Syracuse is on it. Uh, Judge John Hodgman. Judge, and yep. The Talk Show with John Gruber. Now. Um, Okay. What else do you have? Because I got to end the show. We got to have our outro music ready to go. Radio Free Burrito is the Whoa. podcast um, started, restarted, reinitiated by um, Will Wheaton. Oh, I thought that was by Burrito Justice. Or, as, follow on or as, I can't remember now who pronounces it this way, but someone pronounces it Will Wheaton. But um, it's just Will That's Wheaton. Picard who says that, I think. <laughs> Correct. All right. This Not. is. It, it, what else do you have? You got anything else? Nope. We got to we got to hurry up. We got the outro music starting. Okay. You hear that? You hear that little jingle? It's awesome. Mm.